We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great attack on watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Good evening. We are live here getting ready for some college to Canton conversation here. Welcome to one and all. For all of you who are new, this is the perfect show for every and any college or NFL football fan. I'm your host, Dave on the code, joined by Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find me at Stay Fun Laco and all the things. We just got done watching Saturday action for the NFL wildcard. We're going to get into some of the most underrated yet productive players in all the NFL. But before we do that, let's just react to what we just saw. Travis, good day. Not for football purposes, not very exciting stuff, but I made a lot of money today on our on our bet <laughs> on the show over at Ready Bet Action. So I had a good day. Well, that's what really matters, right? So <laughs> congrats to you. But yeah, it, it's just, I mean, it's always kind of, for college football, it's kind of the, the quote unquote downtime, but it's really not because we right. still have all the people uh, set to declare for the NFL draft, some returning, um, you know, and with Nick Saban's retirement, a bunch of news as it relates to uh, a bunch of players now being eligible to enter the tra- transfer portal for the next 30 days. Uh, so it's really not downtime. So it's just a really fun time for college football, and it's it's playoffs for the NFL. We've got six games in three days, and so it's just fun. Uh, really looking forward to this rest of this time of year, and uh, really looking forward to an announcement I'll be able to make here very soon about uh, my uh, newest full-time opportunity uh, covering college football and NFL. But uh, I'll still be here on the show for sure, but uh, just some, some great, great fun things to be had. Um, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick, let's talk about two angles to this Saban thing. Uh, One, I mean, goes without saying just best ever, right? But more importantly, for our purposes, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on, like you mentioned, the transfer portal, like we've already seen um, also with freshman commits, you know, we've seen some people back out already. Uh, do you think we see a mass exodus of talent from Alabama? And how do you think that could shake out throughout the rest of college football? Like, especially like the playoff coming, coming up. What, what do you think could happen there? 
Well, we kind of already have for Alabama. I mean, whether it be declaring for the draft or jumping in the transfer portal, they lost, uh, I believe, two running backs, uh, one to the draft, one to the portal. Was Roydell uh, one of them? Roydell transfer. Yeah. He's transfer portal. Uh, and, of course, Jason McCullen declared for the draft. And then, of course, they let, they lost both lead receivers, Jermaine Burton, to the NFL draft and Isaiah Bond to the transfer portal. They also lost um, a couple other, actually three other, wide receivers who didn't really do much uh, this year. Malik Benson, uh, he's transferring. Uh, they lost Shaz Preston, who was a highly regarded recruit, and he came in, but he hasn't done anything. And then the the doghouse guy that we wanted to be a thing this year, Ja'Cory Brooks. So they're, they're losing a bunch of players. They have a really mm-hmm. solid tight end room, uh, and I guess Jalen Milrow for now. Uh, but it will be interesting if DeBoer, uh, Kalen DeBoer, actually brings in another quarterback to compete with or be the heir apparent to Jalen Milrow, one or, one or both, <laughs> kind of uh, up for consideration there. Although he had a really good year down the stretch, uh, finding some explosive plays. But yeah, it's going to be weird because that offense and the program overall is going to look different. They've got 16 years in a row of being a top five recruiting class kind of team. And most of those years, they're either first or second. Um, so there's probably going to be a slight dip in recruiting for them and how that affects other programs across the board. That might mean that there's, you know, one or two or three or four uh, other players up for grabs that are top tier blue bloods. And so uh, it, we've already seen kind of a not re- complete redistribution, but just a shaving off at the bottom or the top, whatever you want to call it, uh, of uh, some elite names and recruiting classes and more programs finding their, uh, you know, actually signing five, five, five stars and like top 50, top 60, top 70 players. And so that might even continue to trend in that direction with this new job uh, coming open and then being filled by uh, someone who does not have a proven track record of recruiting that, that being Kalen DeBoer. So I don't know. I, I'm not, not saying that their recruiting is going to drop off significantly, but I think it will take a slight hit just because when you lose the goat that happens. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I mean, how could it not? And uh, you, you kind of addressed the, the second part and that was with, with Kalen DeBoer taking over there. I mean, Washington is going to be, completely different you know Penix going uh, I saw that Dylan uh, declared Dylan Johnson the running back there declared for the draft Roma Dunze we expect to go like Washington's not really going to be the same team no. either they've got Will Rogers I think coming in uh, not really no, actually he's gone. I don't think I don't he's think gone. <laughs> oh he did he did yeah, he, bounced, oh, he bounced too so they lost all three that. of the wide receivers oh the quarterback the quarterback that was supposed to replace the quarterback um they're losing uh, a number of their defenders. And and what's crazy about them is they, I mean, they were already old to begin with. So they actually yeah. have some guys finally aging out. They don't even, they were already going to be in, in a really tough spot to even make it back to 10 wins next year. Uh, now you can probably confidently, definitively almost say they are not going to be there, that team. They're probably going to struggle right. to, to scrape to eight and four, which is frustrating, I'm sure, for, for fans that uh, just saw this amazing season for the Huskies. Yeah, but you know, Huskies fans, they'll live off of this for a decade. You know, yeah. remember that time when, you know, Jake Locker? <laughs> is, is that how people in Washington talk? <laughs> yeah, all of them, dude. Every <laughs> single one. Yeah. I am an Oregon fan. Uh, so I'm so happy to see it. Dan Lanning saying, I'm sure. no, I'm staying. Kalen DeBoer leaving. And just yeah. the fallout has been delightful. But hey, mm-hmm. um, one more thing that I think is interesting. We taught, we have continued to talk about the impact of NIL on this sport. And I think Emeka Aguka is de- like deciding to come back. 
mm-hmm. uh, is Thank a huge you. part of that. And again, like we are so used to like having young receivers in the NFL being like, like that is a, a sticky point, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe we have to change our perspective on that because Emeka Buka now, of course, he's going to have another year of probably crazy production, I would assume, although who knows with Quinshawn Judkins, I mean, maybe they yeah. just run the ball 600 times. Um, but yeah, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. And Trevian, Trevian Henderson, obviously returning to school as well. So yeah, that's what I mean. Like, all you do is run the ball yeah, all bringing, day long, <laughs> bringing tons of talent back. And it is, it is going to be funny and we'll jump into, and really we're going to get to a discussion of like the most underrated uh, productive stars right now. Uh, but did just want to hit some of these pressing college football topics as well. But um it is just interesting because like the one I, I, I asked the head of quantitative research uh, uh, for an NFL team. Hey, um, I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'm working on this kind of like side project for an analytics side as well. And I was like, Hey, man, what, what are you, what's the number one prospect analysis variable you're, you're seeking to understand and, and spending a lot of time tackling this year. And the number one was, uh, you know, it, it, almost exactly like the impact of the transfer portal nil the extra covid year all of that um that being a short-term window thing that being a permanent thing and how does that affect the future prospects that come into the league being a little bit older than they typically yeah. have been in the previous you know five to six years prior to the pandemic and so uh, because analytically speaking we're basically to comparing now like two very different eras within like a the same decade so it's really it's, it's really weird so we're kind of having having to readjust uh it's going to be a learning curve not just for us nerds in the fantasy space but apparently also real life nfl oh teams yeah too. speaking of dylan johnson uh let's transition to nfl talk where do you think he, he kind of lands i'm not one who kind of saw this coming i i didn't 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 have him when we did our mock draft last week he was not on my big board <laughs> you know yeah I mean, Dylan Johnson, he's an interesting, uh, of course, running back for Washington. Uh, transferred from Mississippi State. He was, I mean, the scheme there that they were running when he was there uh, was not, I mean, they almost only passed. But mm-hmm. he, he showed some, to, to be a successful rusher there, but was immensely productive as a receiver, right? So altogether, um, his career, he had 173 receptions. Uh, and so you mix that amount of receiving experience and, and pass game acumen uh he's a great pass blocker as well he's going to see a high snap count probably wherever he goes even if he's a later on pick because of what he brings as a balanced prospect you add the the passing game acumen uh the proven production there with the feature back kind of size and angry running style he's just a really fun player to root for and if he gets like round fourish capital you're going to see a lot of people pumping him as like the next you know mid-round absolute steal aaron Um, jones Late round, right, or, yeah, yeah, to or, the Packers or Kyron Ky- Williams, who was you know round five and hit anyway. No, I know. wanted to make him go to the Packers just to go full circle with our previous conversation. <laughs> well, there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That might happen. That might happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to be way too high on Dylan Johnson like uh, if he's in a, in a in a decent landing spot. But yeah. All right. Why don't we uh, take a quick break here for the podcast, and then we will jump in with the most underrated productive players in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back. And let's jump into it as Travis takes a sip of what looks like absolutely delicious red wine. Uh, what, where do you want to start? Let's start at the quarterback position. Um, and you had this idea. Why don't you kind of, uh, tell us what you're looking for? Uh, what are the kind of the criteria that, uh, made you think of these specific guys? Like what, what, what were you looking for in this? Uh, first off, most importantly, uh, I was just sipping a nice, uh, crisp red, uh, a Syrah, uh, not petite yeah. Syrah. They're, those are okay. But, uh, Syrah is it, just my favorite, really dry wine um so yeah highly recommend it if you do if you have i mean it's not like the the most popular kind of wine but highly highly recommend so are you oh yeah i love red wine is my favorite and i will drink i like a syrah i like malbec's quite a bit as well um but my dad bought like a huge case of negro modelos when he was here for christmas <laughs> and, nice. and there's still a bunch in my fridge so i was like oh mm-hmm. i'll just grab one of those it's like there minus you know. five out right now so there was no way i'm going to the store for anything uh <laughs> so we're just drinking what's ever in the fridge but um yeah. you know negro modelo is underrated and productive oh my gosh i was like you're, you're gonna try to segue here and you did it so congratulations <laughs> <on that. laughs> but uh no so i it's not like just uh, underrated in productive players that are all young or all old. I, I try to find a, a little bit of a balance there, um, but just players for most, both fantasy purposes and for real football purposes. I think that in many cases, uh, the narrative is that they're not that good or they're not as good as they actually are on paper, or they have been actually on the field um, and proven long stints in many cases. And so I want to start up, up top with the quarterbacks because um, for Superflex Dynasty Fantasy Football formats, that is like the most important position. And yet I still, all the time, uh, see, I guess, misvalued uh, assets in that regard, especially among quarterbacks that don't put up gaudy rushing stats. The assumption is, well, they don't really run the ball, so the upside is not really there. Okay, but um, the three quarterbacks we're going to talk about on, on the show uh, uh most actually don't run a lot. 
Uh, first off, and I'm not saying that like, okay, this guy's going to be the QB one uh, for fantasy or anything, but again, uh, just to frame it, it's, I'm not saying like any of these guys should be like, Hey, go all in They're a top five asset. I'm saying that they're not, and that's a problem. And that's why you should take advantage of it in your fantasy leagues. And when somebody trashes these players uh, in real life uh, about their real life uh, football play, maybe, maybe at least question uh, that being true or not. And the first one is Jared Goff. So he still won't turn 30 actually until the middle of next season, believe it or not. I, like, yeah. I could I mean, feel the country rolling their eyes as you said that name yes. because of this exact reason. It's like no one wants Jared Goff to be no any does. good. No you know, no one. <laughs> but he, not Matt Stafford, got the Lions, uh, you know, back in, in uh, with the home playoff game and might get them the first win against Stafford. We'll see. I like Stafford too. I'm not saying he's even better. I'm just saying still won't turn 30 until the middle of next season. And since going to Detroit, he's actually been really good. Like he's had back-to-back seasons with 29-plus pass touchdowns and 4,400-plus passing yards. Back-to-back seasons of 29 or more pass touchdowns and at least 4,400 passing yards. And it's not just volume-driven. He's been top seven in adjusted net, um, adjusted net yards per pass attempt in both of the last two seasons. Top five, actually, last year. So in terms of pass efficiency, kind of off the charts, like top seven or eight in, in the league, doesn't add a lot of, of value on the ground, but really consistent, actually. So uh, for somebody that uh, a few years ago was just kind of assumed to be a game manager and nothing more, uh, you know, zero value add for fantasy or whatever, like that's not really been the case. He was like a top five PPG, like in standard kind of formats this year. Um, so I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, it's so funny. Like when you look at the, the, the trade calculators and everything he's still uh not very high like he's he's been uh like a middle quarterback two-ish like at the peak uh really uh, in most spots and in, in my leagues the, the discourse surrounding him it's it, it's always well he's just a game manager and uh, I don't really care uh if he if he's that and, and he might just be the last of a generation of like pocket slash you know statue quarterbacks but um I don't really care if he produces and he's been doing it for quite some time now yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and he drops back to pass an awful lot, you know. So where where some of these other quarterbacks are maybe gaining more um, rushing yards, he's getting more opportunities to throw the ball, and he has he has been surrounded by incredible talent. I mean, uh, the inclusion of Sam Laporta to that squad, Jamison Williams, if he can get healthy. I mean, even Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, he's, other than himself, like. Other than the fact that he dyed his hair blue, like he's incredible, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, what, 1,500 yards or so from him this year. Um, and having like the tight end one in, in Dynasty League. Yeah. Maybe maybe the up and coming best tight end in the league in San Laporta. Like he's got some great, great weapons. And running backs um, that can catch the ball. Yeah. And so, and yeah, I think I he's like going to be there a long time now. Like I think even coming into this last year, it's like, oh, Hannon Hooker lands with the Lions. That's interesting. He might get a shot if J- Jared Goff. Blah, blah blah blah, and like two years ago it was even worse. But now with back-to-back seasons of like, hey, quarterback one kind of production, <laughs> uh, in the state of incoming classes uh, for the next two years, like he's just, he has some solid, solid job security at this point. So uh, I don't know what we're doing with, with Jared Goff, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's it's someone who uh, you talk about not often, but enough that I'm like, yeah, I can't bag on Jared Goff too much. Uh, we were talking about him on um, Ready Bet Action on our wild card yeah. 
That's and for that game, we have a same game parlay of both Stafford and Goff to throw for over 275 yards. Um, because mm. it's at like plus 300, like it's just a fun one, you know. But just watch these two gunslingers go back and forth uh, on the turf. Let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not crazy either. Like that, that could definitely happen. So, so anyway, we'll see. Uh, but I, I like it. I think it's a good call. And then this next guy that you uh, have on here, similar situation where uh, surrounded by a lot of talent, great weapons. You've got a great tight end, two amazing wide receivers. Um, if he's still with the Vikings, and that's Kirk Cousins, uh, yeah. do you think landing spot could be a problem here? Or are you pretty confident that he'll be either with the Vikings or a starting quarterback for a different team? I mean, you've got him on this list, so... He's going to be a starter no matter what next year. Uh, yes, we have Caleb Williams. We have Drake May. We've got Jaden Daniels. Maybe you want to throw in one more name that's you know going to push to really start early from this upcoming class. And I, I like Michael Penix. I like Bo Nix. J.J. McCarthy, we still, as of this recording, don't even have an answer if he's going to the NFL draft. Uh, but beyond that, there's nobody else that's going to push for early starting uh, this class. And 2025 looks like a really, really poor quarterback class right now so Kirk Cousins 35 right now but he's kind of been incredible for a very long time like I don't, I don't think people realize okay so he's actually been a top 15 quarterback in terms of points per game numbers uh for fantasy purposes uh for nine straight years and he's been a quarterback one in seven of those nine years uh okay Travis but it's a back end I, I don't care he's like seriously like a top 10 kind of player in the league uh, and you already mentioned he has got he's got Justin Jefferson, he's got Jordan Addison and Hawkinson. If he does come back to Minnesota and the Vikings, what the heck else are they going to do? Like, right. to be honest, like, like there's not like a bunch of guys just hanging out there. Like, hey, just figure it out. Just you know, just bring in. I don't. They, they don't have a really good answer. Like they they showed they don't really have a good answer uh, this year. Uh, so I think he's going to be back. Uh, he's, he's probably going to wait out and hold out for bunch of guaranteed money as he's his as he has done with his previous two contracts it might not be a long-term deal again it might be just to kind of finish out there two three years whatever it is but he's crazy cheap right now like he's outside the top 25 uh for on the like dynasty trade calculators and things like that, that you want to research uh which is absurd given the fact i know his, his age is what it is but he's probably going to be a quarterback one for a year two three maybe more years like <laughs> given the weapons if he does return to minnesota and, and he can be an add-on in trades, like if we're yeah, talking about like fantasy he's, he's football. A it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. absurd, guys. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Like, if he if he's gonna be a starter, uh, he has to be worth than most of the deals that I've seen and questions that I get about trade values for him. And I'm not sure m many people realize that he's already like top 25 all time in passing yards, top 20 in pass touchdowns, top 12 in adjusted nets like yards per attempt, which is like a fantastic efficiency stat top 12 ever uh by that measure and top eight in passer rating ever so yeah. um like i know that he hasn't uh, gotten a lot of big wins in his career and uh he you he like that a, uh, yeah I, but I, he, he <laughs> uh, but really i mean like it's just he we can critique him we, we can pick apart little aspects of his game but he's still one of the best to to do it and uh has never gotten the respect that he's deserved yeah, I mean, even as you say those numbers, I'm like, oh, I had, I didn't realize he had put that together. You know, yeah. Yeah. like I still remember him at Michigan State and being really frustrating at times. You know, yeah. so, um, 
let's uh let's talk about a guy who um you have under the what about this guy segment of the show yeah and you know when we introduced that a couple weeks ago i was like yeah that, that probably fits like a lot of different show formats because a lot <laughs> yeah. of people are like well what about this guy it's like you know because they're thinking of so-and-so being an underrated player and uh dak prescott uh, you know i don't know depending on the listener he's he's very like a lot of people are like gung-ho especially in the analytics community they're like dude he's like what, what do you mean he's underrated like he should be in the mvp conversation and like the people who really pay close attention uh to the advanced analytical numbers understand that he's a freaking baller but I, st- I still see it in the mainstream media and in some of my leagues some questions about his interceptions even just from like last year like that's not you know like i'm not really so he has like i guess it's nine i think this year uh but he's still been one of the the best uh quarterbacks in the league for quite some time um and uh you know he's still like valued highly in most leagues but not like peak peak level uh you know, I, I guess a peak asset in terms of dynasty. Like he's a fringe, I believe, like fringe quarterback one uh, by most people. But um, and like the, the the trade calculators still have Anthony Richardson above him, who has like what four career games and still, in my opinion, is a major question mark. They have Trevor Lawrence ahead of him, uh, Tua Tagovailoa ahead of him, uh, and Dak Prescott. All he does is put up ridiculous numbers. Like he had the most passing touchdowns this year, third most passing yards this year. He was second in QBR. His EPA bounced back and is now top five. Like his adjusted net yards per attempt is top five. Like he threw the roof. Like his his analytical profile for the season was just insane. Uh, and again, still just like thirty years old himself. So he's going to be around for a long time if been producing. And I know I don't know what like narratives people are kind of still holding on to surrounding him. But well, he's, I don't know. Like I mean, the Cowboys brought in Trey Lance. Clearly, they've got ideas for the future. Yeah. Dak Prescott has not been able to win the big game. No, I'm uh, I'm kidding. I have I was in like just under 30 leagues this last year in fantasy, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be in like four leagues or less next year. So uh, goodbye to many, which is sad, but needs to happen. Uh, but 75 percent of them, I have Dak Prescott because he is always too cheap. Like it's just criminal because he doesn't put up like you were saying those crazy rushing yards um because dallas was not gonna throw the ball this year remember that narrative everyone was saying how (laughs) they weren't gonna throw um like and every year people say don't buy into all the but people do and dak just goes out and continues to produce so yeah i i like seeing him on this list because um honestly like uh He's the reason I had a pretty successful fantasy season. I actually didn't have that great of a fantasy season because, uh, you know, but that's, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, seriously. And, and another guy that's uh, trending towards being, you know, way up there in the all time list when it comes down to it. Cause again, he's just uh, like 30 right now and he's already like around top 50 and a lot of key volume stats and way up there on all the important rate stats as well. So really, um, Again, all three of the guys we've already talked about just don't add up a bunch of rushing yards, but they're some of the best proven passers with a lot of veteran years under their belt uh, and probably still many more to come uh, with the exception of maybe Kirk, who only has probably a few. But still, uh, again, I just think more credit needs to be had uh, with all three. Yeah. Um, we we had I, – I was asking you what, what, what you thought about Trevor Lawrence uh, before the show when we were talking, and – we don't really have to go into it much, but um, I, I kind of feel like 
Uh, he's someone who a lot of people have questions on just again, uh, struggling at the end of the season. I mean, I think that was injury related myself, but, uh, before that he had put up, um, eight, uh, QB one performances in, uh, 15 games. So like over half his games, he was a QB one. Now that's not excellent, but again, we're talking about a quarterback that's ranked fairly low here. Um, where do you do you think that he is overvalued, undervalued, or kind of spot on value wise when you look at like the uh, D- dynasty trade calculators, for example? Trade calculators still have him in uh, the back end quarterback one uh, discussions, which I think is more than fair because um, I'm not sure that he's going to be like the you know the next Peyton Manning or whatever else. You know, there's just a lot of pressure on him coming in as a, as a prospect when he was supposedly, you know, supposedly like the best quarterback prospect, you know, maybe a generational prospect. Yeah. And um, he's just probably not going to be that now. And that's okay. But I think he probably fits underrated in the right league. Uh, Cause in some leagues, like the people that really are high on Trevor Lawrence are asking way too high a price, like even higher than like a, you know, late, you can't really uh, acquire him easily. Right. Right. Cause the people that believe kind of already have him on the team in many cases, but yeah, sometimes that's not the case. And so I, in, in a couple of leagues, I've seen him move for less than I would, I would like to have him go. And, and many times it's hard for me to like, even say like what they went for. Cause I'm in not, I'm not in like any normal leagues. Like the only right. normal ish league that I'm in is like a, a family league uh, and like a local friends league rather this dynasty. And, uh, and then I'm like in one 14 team, like points per carry super flex, but beyond that, I'm just in like campus to Canton leagues and weird Debbie leagues right. where like picks just don't weigh the same. But overall, like the people that it's just kind of like it's it's either really far, way, way overvalued in some cases, or um the league, you know, the league is kind of assumed like this, oh, he's gonna fail now. And then yeah. oh, I'll see him get traded. I'm like, wait, I would have probably paid more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then uh, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah, so I, w- I would at least go fishing because if you're in that league that is especially coming off of what happened with the Jaguars down to the end of this season, um, there's a potential that things might be shifting. Right. Yeah. Uh, why don't we jump to the running back position? Um, and uh, one of the guys I want to talk about uh, first that you you put on this list is someone who missed the first little bit of the season and then um, people like Mike McClure and others who are big in like the DFS community were like, oh, this guy is way underpriced because he is going to be this team's offense. And we're talking about Alvin Kamara here, um, who once he entered the scene, uh, just couldn't stop um, racking up receptions and yards um, in all sorts of varieties. So Until uh, like fantasy uh, championship week. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. sorry. sorry to poke that wound if you're listening and you uh, were a victim. No, no, that sounded more like you were uh, looking in the mirror and speaking to yourself. No, no I just know that, yeah, there, there were some bitter, uh, bitter feelings towards coming around how things kind of ended there and the timing of it and whatnot. But that's every year. Like, there's somebody that gets kind of scapegoated. The not Derrick Henry week, you mean, where like, yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry did the exact <laughs> opposite. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. you probably weren't in the game to benefit from <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. But yeah, you know, so Alvin Kamara, I think he's why he's in this underrated discussion. What do you mean, Travis? He's underrated. He's like always been this act. I think it's where he is right now. Um, in terms of value 
for dynasty fantasy football purposes. I think uh, people have long underestimated his rushing ability and just you know assumed he's only a value because of his receiving game. But um, he was also he's also been pretty good <laughs> as as a runner for most of his career uh, as well. Uh, that's that's actually been an underrated aspect of his game. He doesn't run for uh, volume, but uh, for the most part, he's been pretty good this year. He was just under four yards per carry, which is not, which is not great. But he's literally never had fewer than 439 receiving yards. And, and that was in a season where he only played 13 games. And he has – he just put a seventh consecutive – and, you know, I, okay, back up. I will say I don't think people realize he's done this. He, he, has, he has seven years in a row with at least 1,100 yards from scrimmage. And only one year uh, was below 1,330, and that's this year. And he, again, played 13 games this year, not even a full season. And with one it's more 1,100 yeah. yard season, just one more, well, it, whatever in, in his entire career, 1,100 more yards, he'll actually pass up guys in terms of like yards from scrimmage. And he'll pass up uh, Priest Holmes. He'll pass up pass up MJD, Sean Alexander, uh, Sean Alexander, Brian Westbrook, and Earl Campbell that's in nuts, yards from scrimmage. So uh, that's he's crazy. Already, yeah, I mean, and, and this is a different era. You know, like it's just it's not normal for for players to actually do that anymore, you know? And so like that's what he's doing um is incredible. And because of his uh role not being so reliant on taking the beating in in, in the A gap, you know, and just getting lit up uh and, and taking massive volume work in uh high leverage short yarded situations where he's potentially gonna get injured, there's a good chance. He actually plays a little bit longer, and he'll be 29 just before next season. But and, you know, which is uh, you know three years after the typical running back funeral in dynasty leagues. But I, the, the greats produce through age 29, through age 30, and in some cases 31, and that was just normal until about 10 years ago. But right. even now, the ones that we're seeing. Uh, in the most recent era of drafts that weren't terrible, uh, the 2012 to 2015 range, or 2014 range, we, we had a little lull where there were no good running backs given to the league. But the modern running backs who are sticking, the greats, are staying age 29 and 20 and 30 and still producing. So I think he can still do that. And that's why he's underrated at the moment because he's dynasty running back 17, which for dynasty, like, just get a guy that produces. That's going to get you right. a bunch of points. I don't care if it's for a year or two. Like, just go chase points not right now in the non-point scoring seating season necessarily don't go overpaying for him right now but i believe even throughout draft season he, he could fall further um in, yeah in most of the calculators and uh, most of your leagues because he's you know gonna be 29 when the season begins and, and numbers scare people when it comes to age but realistically he's just one of the best to ever do it these are great these this next guy as well great candidates for when you're maybe trading um back mm -hmm. or up in a in a fantasy draft or once the draft picks are yeah. allocated because people always overvalue the, their draft picks so so maybe you move down three spots and acquire a guy like this uh this yeah. guy is is someone who people like to shit on because his um his fpoe his his fantasy points over expectation is typically in the negative but He's on a great offense and he gets a lot of opportunities. And that's why he put up uh, seven top 12 performances. He put up 12 top 24 performances. We're talking about the great Joe Mixon here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
a guy who, again, who knows if he's going to do it next year, but he did it this year without needing to be um, extremely efficient because he just gets yeah. an opportunity and he plays like this is a, he has played in more than 14, more than 14 games um, uh, four of the last five seasons. Like he, he is out there week in and week out. Yeah, and he's coming off of 1,400 plus yards from scrimmage and then running back one season. And yeah, he's still 27, guys. It's it's so weird that he's still 27 at the moment. But uh, I would have like, guessed he, I would have guessed older than that if you, you yeah. would have given me the over under 28 and a half. I would have said over. Yeah, because um, he's been around. He came in super young to the league, and he'll be 28 next year. Of course, he turns 28 in July, I believe, of next year. Uh, and he's got one more contract year. Um, I believe that there there's a weird situation they could. You know, cut him, but it'd still be like three million or more of uh, dead money, even if they do it like early. Five million if they wait like post June one. So um, I think he's underrated because he's got at least through next year contractually, uh, and he might actually get re resigned. Like he actually did a restructure to his deal. He maybe uh, he may do a team friendly deal again, just so he gets another two years added on after next year. But because of the, the ambiguity beyond twenty twenty four, his age being so, oh, he'll be twenty eight next year. Um, you know, people, I think, are kind of uh, his values dropping, and all the the trade, whatever, whether it's whether it's keep trade cut or dynasty trade calculator, a bunch of the calculator resources for dynasty leagues, he's kind of been dropping off. And again, like you said, the, the efficiency, people just don't always think for real football purposes when they're talking about, hey, their favorite running backs and the best running backs in the league. Like Joe Mixon isn't in that conversation anymore, despite the fact that uh, outside of his 2020 season where he was injured, like he only played six games, outside of that year. He's never had fewer than 1,255 yards from scrimmage. That's insane. Uh, since his, well, since his rookie year. So, like, last six seasons, only injury put him below that mark. So, top 14 running, running back in every single one of those seasons, of course, except the injury. He's got, you know, he's coming off running back one season. Like, he's still in prime position to be a feature back again. Uh, so, it's just like, when it comes to running back production, the, the position is just viewed as completely worthless. And that's why in most leagues you can go acquire good players that are aging like this. Yeah. The, the last guy uh, you have on this list here um, that I think is interesting because uh, oh, I pulled up the wrong guy here. Um, I completely, when DeAndre Swift was traded in the off season, I thought everyone was going to skyrocket him up their lists and he was going to be completely overrated and have no value ever again didn't really happen and i no. feel like i was the higher guy on swift than a lot of people um and and here he is um you know after this kind of renaissance season you could say for him where he was able to actually put on display what he can do and now let's see what he can do moving forward here uh, but great situation for deandre swift moving forward yeah, DeAndre Swift, and, and by the way, all three running backs I've, I've mentioned, whether what regardless of what calculator you're using, the, their equivalent pick value in just standard dynasty fantasy football leagues is like early second round value. Which so you don't even have to like it's not implied that you have to even move any kind of first, even not even a late first to acquire these guys. So right. just go fishing. But trade DeAndre, your first for their first and this, you know, like if you yeah, whatever early. it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you get creative, but DeAndre Swift, when he's finally set free. I mean, he had 268 touches this year for almost 1,300 yards from scrimmage, which is incredible. Uh, he hadn't totally done that for the entire duration of his career prior to this. And he's he's going to be a free agent this year, so there's some 
you know, uncertainty surrounding his situation. Is he going to be with the Eagles or is he going to land somewhere advantageous um, that might be better for him and work otherwise or, or the other direction? But I think that's why I, I include him in the underrated category because he's still running back 16, 17, 18, that kind of range. Uh, and most of the resources that you want to find for ranks or calculators, anything like that. And he's still just 25. Like I, when he came in, there was all this hype. But now he's, he was like, coming into the year, he's like a post-hype sleeper because new opportunity. And even now, he's still my prison value because of what he does. And, and, you know, depending on where he lands. But I think there's an opportunity to kind of bet on him landing in a spot or coming back again and being in line to uh, be a style of producer for the next, I don't know, given that he's, again, 25 still, three plus years maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think anyone, any Swift owner, if you would have told him, yeah, he's going to put up a 1,000 rushing yards, they would have signed on for sure. I mean, absolutely phenomenal season for him. And I I can't imagine him not landing in a spot or getting re-signed, um, yeah. showing that he can, like we were talking about, um, Dylan Johnson earlier, like his ability to catch and run, like Swift's shown that he can be on the field for, for any down and distance. Yeah. And, and again, and, I don't know if we really talked about it this much. We did kind of last week, but it's not a great running back class that's coming in. Trevion Henderson's returning. And so now it's even more shallow in terms of players that could really fight off and uh, take a, you know, a strong running back one role right away uh, in this incoming draft class. So that's a really good shot. Really good shot. He's in great. Um, he's in a great situation to produce big numbers again. Yeah, no, I, I I like it a lot. Let's let's jump to the wide receiver position again. I mentioned earlier that it's Wild Card Weekend, and we watched the Houston Texans absolutely take care of business today, um, and not in small part because of Nico Collins, who put up a great. Uh, another great performance and CJ Stroud uh, seems to be the dude that we hoped he would be. Uh, you talked about Trevor Lawrence, not living up to the hype. CJ Stroud certainly is. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was texting our, our buddy, Matt Wispay, who's a huge Ohio state fan. I was like, Oh man, you gotta love seeing this. And he was like, oh, absolutely. Um, so it's just fun. And so um, the offense I think is only going to get better. They've got um, so much talent there right now. And, uh, you, you just know they're going to add to it. Uh, but Nico Collins is still super young, uh, tied to a rookie quarterback, and uh, very excited for his future despite Tank Dell being there. How many wide receivers could put up like a 1,300-yard 1, season at age 24 tied to potentially a top-five NFL quarterback who's 22 years old and not be – like a top 15 kind of asset. Yeah, right. I, mean, I know the circumstances uh, surrounding this situation are, hey, Tank Dell's missed time. He's going to come back and his market share is not going to be as high. Okay, that's fine. But uh, his market share was still actually pretty solid even when Tank Dell was there. And mm -hmm. Stroud's going to continue to improve. We don't know how long Schultz is going to be there or if he's going to continue to take uh, a significant target share. And really, his target share has actually been trending downward a little bit. I think he only had two targets in the playoff game uh, this week. It was just one got schemed open really far, like uh, deep downfield for the touchdown. But um, Nico Collins was really impressive. I was I was kind of wrong on him coming in uh, as a prospect. I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, but, you know, it's just he's in a really great spot to continue to produce. And 
most leagues, he's like a fringe wide receiver too, like like wide receiver three-ish among most ranking systems, calculators again. And coming off a season that he just had, I'm like, uh, what are we doing if that's the case? Right. And and you talk about how every year there's a number of teams that can and do have multiple 1,000-yard receivers, you know? Yeah, we typically so, see four teams-ish that have two top 24 wide receivers. And, and with so, extra games now, like I think that number goes up in, in an offense like Houston's where you see that they trust C.J. Stroud to throw the ball deep. Uh, I fully expect to see Tank Dell and Nico Collins' name up there in the next couple yeah. years or for the next couple years. So I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Brandon, like you, is the other one I wanted to hit up because um, he's actually still 25 years old somehow. And uh, he just posted a wide receiver one season. Uh, proving to be one of the most effective deep threats in the league, almost 18 yards per reception, uh, which is wild. And obviously some of it is Kyle Shanahan just being a freaking music, uh, musician, mud, yeah. magician. <laughs> yeah, uh, that dude, you know, he might I mean, be. He's, we compose a know. symphony every single week. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, on field. But um, And really his first read target share was really high, even when Debo was in the mix. And a lot of his uh, yards per anything kind of stats, route run, yeah, you know, yards per target, whatever it is, through the roof. Um, and he actually has his fifth year option next year. So he signed it through uh next year with the 49ers, and there's a really good chance they try to bring him back because I think they understand that uh, Debo is actually significantly older than him, by the way. Uh, I think they understand that he is kind of the future and he is their wide receiver one. So if they bring him back and he's still with Shanahan, still in this offensive efficient system. I don't see how he's not a wide receiver one again next year. And as he's still just now entering the prime of his career, a wide receiver one for the next three plus years, really. Yeah, no, I um, I'm all in. I actually, uh, I traded um, pretty decent draft capital last year going into this season to acquire um, Ayuk in a few leagues and people are like, what are you doing? I was like, no, I, I think this guy's for real. And yeah. he really has uh, shown that he is, um, we keep talking, uh, we, I keep talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars because they, um, you know, they're my team, Calvin Ridley, you know, a lot of people were curious what was going to happen with him after extended time away. I was pretty impressed with the year he put up. Um, again, I'm not sure what people's expectations were, but over a thousand yards, over eight touchdowns. I think that's, I mean, as a Jags fan, I would have signed up for that at the beginning of the year. You know, uh, maybe I would have expected more catches, but give me a thousand yards and eight. Uh, that feels pretty good. And um, I think because so much was made of his age last offseason, I mean, maybe I'm projecting here, uh, but I feel like that kind of shot his value down because everyone's like, oh, he's coming back. Uh, he's still somehow on his rookie deal, even though he's like 47 years old, um, you know, but yeah. uh, I still think there's a lot of value there. I think he is uh, underrated for how productive he is. Yeah. And he's uh, got a little bit of the Amari Cooper thing where he's just really inconsistent, like, you know, really up and down, like his high highs are just ridiculous. It'll win the entire weeks. You know, he yeah. had uh, two weeks this, this year with multiple touchdowns. Uh, several others with like 80 plus yards and a touchdown, but also would throw like a one catch for five yards in there. And so <laughs> I think that, oh, yeah. that kind of frustrates I'm, I'm looking at his weekly. I, I pulled up the Rotoviz uh, stat explorer and they kind of show you 
the peaks and valleys. And yeah, he's either a wide receiver one with like 20 to 30 points, or yeah. he's like sub 10 points. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> disgusting. Nothing, no, nothing in between. And I, and I get the frustration, especially if uh, for redraft fantasy leagues, even like if people are drafting him, I don't know, in, in round four or whatever, I don't know where he settled. He was really cheap for a while and then it kind of people overcorrected. Um, but there's still a lot of time for him to be productive. And so I don't know what to do with him, but I, I find again, kind of like that split with Trevor, kind of similar to Trevor Lawrence. Some leagues are like, nah, man, he's, he's already 29 and we've probably seen the best of him. And, you know, I, I don't know what to think of his quarterback. And I think that's linked, you know? Uh, but at the same time, I think the people who own him are still just kind of waiting on him to be again, even more productive than he just was. So I would go fishing with him, but I don't really know what to do. I think there's a great chance he is underrated, but I'm not as confident as a couple of the other guys. Cause like, again, Collins is outside of like wide receiver, wide receiver two range in the calculators uh, resources out there for you to be had. Brandon Ayuk is like a middle wide receiver two. That's wrong. And, and, and so uh, with, with Ridley, um, he is uh, further down than that, but I'm just, I'm just not sure. Not sure how to, how to value him. Um, and so, you know, he's like a friend wide receiver three. So that's probably low. But I just feel less confident. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. Uh, his teammate, uh, we're going to switch positions here, is someone that I just do not understand the ranking on. Uh, not only was he, uh, Evan Ingram, that is, not only did he uh, just put up a, a tight end two season, um, mm-hmm. PPR season, uh, the year before, he was the tight end number five. So uh, he is coming off back-to-back top five seasons, yet no one... Uh, really puts that respect on his name. I think a lot of uh, where 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 does where do you, where do you see Evan Ingram going? Because um, I know it's a lot lower than those numbers I just put out. He only had um, five weeks where he wasn't a tight end one, and only one where he wasn't within the top uh, twenty four tight ends. Which I mean, that's not a terribly <laughs> crazy thing when you're talking tight ends. But still, the dude had. Um, a phenomenal season. And uh, I think he's what tight end 11, 12. Yeah. And a lot of places, he's just barely like a, like a fringe tight end one. Um, and he's kind of always been good. Uh, and yet uh, that's not really a consensus. And this year he had 143 freaking targets guys. That's <laughs> crazy. That's, that's crazy. 15, that's 15 more than anybody else. That's why those are wide receiver target numbers. Yeah. That's wide receiver one targets. Um, and they weren't the most efficient and it was a lot on like short crossing and like underneath and comebacks and whatever. So it was, you know, it was, he was playing more like a plotter, but that's not who he is. He has like really nice speed. So if he just takes one or two more a little bit further um, with that speed, we already know he possesses like he would have easily eclipsed a thousand yards. He had 963 receiving yards this year. Um, so yeah, I think at age 29. Yeah. People, uh, you know, are in, and I'm one of those people. I'll say, like, I'm already putting Sam Laporta over him. I'm putting Trey McBride over him. Um, you know, a lot of people want to put Dalton Kincaid over him. I'm not really there with him. Um, but um, in terms of being, like, barely even a tight end one consideration, which is the case in a lot of league, leagues and services and rankings that you want to see out there, I think that makes him underrated and a value because uh, he's yeah. kind of been, like, a top five producer for a long time now. Um, Evan Ingram like is not, not every well, single year, like in that range, but like since he came in the league, he's consistently been on fringe, like top 10 most productive tight ends from like a yards perspective. 
he hasn't scored a bunch of touchdowns, um, but he's just been really good for a long time, and things he deserves way more credit than he's he's gotten. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, he hasn't had uh, since his rookie year. He has not eclipsed five touchdowns in a season. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he's only 29 years old, and I think yeah, he is what we hope Dalton Kincaid can be. You know, like mm-hmm. that guy who gets a lot of targets and ends up translating it into production. So love, love talking about him because he is, uh, you know, he's a phenomenal. And I was on uh, one of our other road of his shows last season. They're like, who's someone you want to talk about going into the year? It's like Evan Ingram. And they kind of laughed at me and was like, no, 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 listen. Uh, so one of my few <laughs> times yeah. that I was correct, a dude we've talked about for a couple of shows, um, someone that you've been talking about an awful lot who just continues to put up absolutely great numbers, yeah. <laughs> uh, David Njoku. And he um, finished the year uh, tight end five, um, a huge boost for him. He was a tight end one um, last year as well. So back-to-back tight end one or like within the top 12 uh, mm-hmm. seasons and really uh, projecting pretty nicely moving forward, uh, being a, a huge centerpiece of this offense uh, as far as the passing game goes. Yeah, uh, and he did finish, I believe, uh, fourth in targets per game, um, sixth in, in overall uh, receiving yards at the position. So really a nice player. We were always really high on him coming in, uh, even when he was in college, um, and same draft class as Evan Ingram. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where he didn't immediately become a you know nearly like 1,000-yard tight end like Travis Kelsey. You know, he just came in and happened to be like coming into the league you know, it, when, you know, a couple other players were just putting up bonkers numbers. And so he's kind of an afterthought, but we might just be still seeing like the beginning of the best part of his career. Cause he's like 27. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. We, we've talked to, and, and so I'll reiterate, he's probably going to be a top six kind of tied in for the next, I don't know, four plus years, like given what he's already done and tra- tra- like trajectory historically of players in this particular archetype, like there's right. a great chance. He's a solid plug-and-play, trustworthy asset for at least four years, if not even longer, given his athletic profile. And the tight end position really is uh, shaping out quite nice. That's pretty great. Tight end position shaping nicely. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Um, But we're seeing, like, there's – I know, like, some of the the guys that we've loved for a while are are aging out pretty soon, Mm -hmm. I imagine. Um, yeah. but we have some of these guys like Njoku and Ingram who are still young enough. We've got guys like Laporta and McBride and Kincaid who are young coming in Kyle Pitts. We've got, um, Brock Bowers entering the league. It's kind of fun. Like the, yeah. especially because offenses are getting smart and using tight ends, uh, not just as blockers, but they're using them as big slot receivers. Uh, I'm here for it. I think it adds a really fun element to football yeah. And uh, production across the board has been scaling upwards. Like yeah. if you compare it to like the last six, seven years to the previous 15 before that, I know that uh, receiving production in general is uh, going up like crazy. But if you could even compare them, uh, the uptick in terms of like percentage to wide receivers, um, it's, it's way more. So yeah, I- I'm excited to see that trend continue. And I think, I think we'll see the young guys get a lot more expensive and Njoku and Evan Ingram we'll probably settle in at the back end of the first round. And that's exactly where people like you and I are going to be grabbing them. Um, And it's going to be fantastic because they are 
absolutely uh, producing at elite levels, and we don't see that stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, how many how many seasons have we seen uh, in terms of like just yardage? Like how many how many seasons have we seen uh, seven guys go over eight hundred yards receiving at the position? Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's what we saw this year. Like three over eight hundred, three over nine hundred, one over a thousand. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's it's trending in a fun direction for the position. I hope there's more depth for fantasy purposes uh, for a very long time. And now that Arthur Smith is gone, maybe yeah. just May, maybe yeah. Kyle Pitts. Maybe Kyle Pitts. <laughs> maybe he's and, maybe oh. he can be a tight end one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not the uh a tight end one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, this was a lot of fun, Travis. I always love uh, talking football with you. Uh, yeah. We get some more wild card action. Uh, tomorrow uh, Sunday we hope to have this podcast out before then um, mm-hmm. anything you're looking for I'm curious we uh, we just mentioned Aaron Jones uh, I'm curious what he can do today uh, or if maybe this is his last game before Dylan Johnson takes over as the RB1 in Green Bay after getting drafted in the fourth round as we just predicted earlier yeah. tonight you know I'm <laughs> I'm I'm at this weird spot like I, I coming off of uh my time at Mojo where I was like having to work a bunch of NFL games and like every single college game uh, for the most part. Uh, I'm, I'm like in this, this rare, like two week window now where I, I actually, I just actually accepted a position on announcement will be coming where I get to cover college football and NFL full time again. And uh, as of like February, but for the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to try to like just sit back and just be a fan and enjoy the games yeah. and just relax uh, before it gets crazy again, I'll be down. I get the Senior Bowl uh, that whole week too. But it's just Fantastic. it's just fun, like just being like a dad. Like today, like you know, during games and stuff, I was building like castles with magnetiles rather yes. than like rather than working on um, you know football like all day. And so it's it's, a, it's been a fun little break. Uh, un, being unemployed is is not great. I had a little stint here. I got laid off, you know, in December, but. I already have the new gig lined up thanks to just awesome people. Um, but yeah, but I'm just going to enjoy being uh, a dad and a fan uh, with no big, crazy football responsibilities for a little bit longer. No, that's perfect, dude. I've hated this whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing, but tonight my daughter sat down and watched football with me and was rooting for Travis Kelsey. Thank you, dude. I also, also (laughs) I had bet a Travis Kelsey ladder. So I had the over 57 and a half. I had the over 70, (laughs) I had the over 80. And so uh, she had just sat down and Travis Kelsey catches the ball to get over 70 yards. So that was like plus 140 or whatever. And she starts cheering and they know that I bet like a degenerate. So I was like, oh yeah, she's <laughs> cheering for my bet. But no, nice. it was Taylor Swift on the screen and she was cheering for <laughs> Taylor Swift. So that's that was super cool. Like I hate Taylor Swift personally, uh, just because COVID, that's all that was playing in the house. Okay. Uh, so but, you're, so um, you're a dad, Brad or Chad, according to Taylor. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, but but now I kind of like her because uh, my daughter was into football because she got to see Taylor Swift. <laughs> so go. that was fun. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, good talking to you. We will be back with you all again next week. We will dive into, oh, I don't know what we're going to dive into yet. Um, I'm sure a lot more news will break. We'll come up with some great stuff to talk about. Fun time to dive into NFL uh, with the playoffs going. Uh, for Travis May, I am Stefan LeCoe. Uh, Please do rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you download your podcast. Again, you can find us on the Rotoviz 
main feed, but we also have our own College to Canton feed. So do check that out as well. The episode always drops there a day or so earlier. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you soon.